In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. This afternoon we celebrate the feast of the Right Reverend James Theodore Holly, who was the first African-American bishop in the Episcopal Church. And his personal journey is certainly one of great perseverance and also of the power of one person to truly make a difference in the world. And so a little bit about Bishop Holly's background. He was born in Washington, D.C. in 1829 in a family of free persons. Uh, Some of his family members had been enslaved in a prior generation, but his parents were free. And they were Roman Catholics. And as a young man, he worked with Frederick Douglass and other major abolitionists. From an early age, he had a passion and a conviction to be an active participant in efforts to end discrimination of all forms in society. Now, he held a variety of jobs. He was first a shoemaker and then a teacher and principal. Bishop Holly was largely self-taught, but he knew Latin, Greek, Hebrew, French, and Creole by the end of his life. And over the course of his life, uh, he published seven books and 18 articles on a variety of topics. In the year 1851, when he was 22 years old, two very important things happened in his life. First, he took a bride. And second, he joined the Episcopal Church. Now, he came to our beloved church because of a dispute over the ordination of African Americans in the Roman Catholic Church. And I imagine that one of the things that drew him to the Episcopal faith was the fact that Absalom Jones had been ordained the first African American priest in the year 1802 in Philadelphia. Shortly after he joined the Episcopal Church, Bishop Holly attended the first National Immigration Convention and became a commissioner for the newly formed National Immigration Board. And so in that capacity, he traveled to Haiti in the year 1854 to negotiate an immigration treaty. At the time of his trip to Haiti, he was already in the ordination process But he was really struggling with what his vocation as an African-American Episcopal priest might look like. He didn't think that black folks would ever be fully accepted either in society or the church. And he was really trying to envision how he was going to live into that vocation. Well, his trip in 1854 turned out to be a pivotal experience in his life. He was very intrigued by the fact that unlike their American counterparts, 
Haitian slaves had successfully led a revolt, and they were now free of their European oppressors. And so he viewed Haiti as an opportunity for black folks from all throughout the Western Hemisphere to be part of a strong, independent nation where they would have full rights and privileges. And that trip to Haiti helped Bishop Holly gain some clarity about his own vocation. He loved the structure of the Anglican Church and really believed that by bringing the Anglican faith to Haiti, that could actually help to strengthen and stabilize the country. And so when he returned, he said, I want to be commissioned to go to Haiti as a missionary. However, that request was denied. And so following his ordination to the priesthood in 1856, Bishop Holly moved to New Haven, Connecticut, where he served as the priest at St. Luke's Episcopal Church for five years. He also co-founded the Protestant Episcopal Society for Promoting the Extension of the Church Among Colored People. Whew, that's a mouthful, isn't it? <laughs> uh, that organization ultimately became the Union of Black Episcopalians, the UBE. But when it was founded, um, some of the things it was focused on um, was challenging the fact that black seminarians could not attend any of the Episcopal seminaries. Also, um, black lay and clergy delegates to diocesan convention had no vote and limited voice. He also encouraged general convention to publicly take a stand condemning the institution of slavery. So there were many things on the agenda of the UBE from its origins. Well, Bishop Holly served St. Luke's for five years, and then in 1861, he resigned from that position and led a group of 112 African Americans to Haiti. Note the year, brothers and sisters. I don't think the year 1861 was a coincidence because, of course, that was the start of the Civil War. Perhaps Bishop Holly didn't know what the conclusion of the war would be, and so he left this country. Well, their first year proved to be one of great tragedy. About half of the persons who traveled with him died from either yellow fever or malaria, including his mother, his wife, and two of his children. In fact, of those who survived, many decided to return to the United States. The task just proved to be too much for them. But Bishop Holly persevered. He remained and, in fact, became a Haitian citizen in the year 1862. He did request financial support from the church in the United States. That request was initially denied, but he did get some limited funds from the Episcopal Board of Missions 
in 1865. And so his service and ministry was building up the church in Haiti. And in the year 1875, after 14 years of service, he was consecrated missionary bishop of Haiti at Grace Church in New York City. And of course, became the first African-American bishop in the Episcopal Church. He had a number of wonderful opportunities, including serving as a delegate to Lambeth and receiving a doctoral degree from Howard University and an honorary law degree from Liberia College in Monrovia. And the remainder of his ordained ministry was spent there in Haiti, um, and he died in Port-au-Prince in the year 1911. At the time of his death, the church in Haiti included 15 parishes, seven mission congregations with over 2,000 Episcopalians. And I think much of this growth was attributable to the fact that Bishop Holly was concerned not only with people's souls, but also with their minds and their bodies. He had a holistic approach to ministry. And so the Episcopal Church in Haiti established schools, medical clinics, and a mutual fund society to assist those in need. Now this brief overview has shown us that Bishop Holly truly lived an amazing life. He knew his worth as a beloved child of God, and he never accepted the second-class status that either the church or the larger society wanted to impose on him. He was persistent and creative, and when he approached what you or I might have considered an obstacle, he really considered it an opportunity to figure out another way of achieving his goal. Somehow, he never became discouraged, and he never gave up on fighting for the full inclusion of African Americans in our church and in society. And I imagine that it was his deep faith in Jesus Christ which sustained him through many personal challenges as well as professional. His story reminds us that being faithful to the tasks to which God has called you and me will not eliminate pain and suffering. After all, Scripture tells us that it's going to rain on the just and the unjust. So all of us are going to have periods in the valley as well as on the mountaintop. And we celebrate the lives of the saints in our church so that we can be inspired by their example when we encounter difficulties. Their struggles remind us that no one has had a smooth path through life. We won't be the first ones to face struggles, 
nor will we be the last. So as I prepare for my ordination and consecration as the fourth bishop of the Diocese of West Tennessee in May, you might imagine that Bishop Holly's story has a particular significance for me. As we heard the dean uh, read in the gospel passage about um, reaping the benefits of others' efforts, I know that had it not been for the courageous example of James Theodore Holly, there's no way that I would be standing before you today in 2019 as the bishop-elect of the Diocese of West Tennessee, the first African-American woman to be called diocesan bishop south of the Mason-Dixon line. I'm humbled um, by this opportunity and this great privilege and know that I am standing on Bishop Holly's shoulders. And just like he encountered issues in the church, I know there's some challenges waiting for me in Memphis. But they're nothing, brothers and sisters, compared with all of the issues that Bishop Holly faced. He couldn't attend an Episcopal seminary, and yet I'm a graduate of Virginia Theological Seminary. He couldn't fully participate in diocesan convention. And over the years, I've been a voting delegate as both a layperson and a member of the clergy in several diocesan conventions. He implored the church to speak out against slavery. And thanks be to God, the slavery of African Americans is no longer present in the United States. And yet we know, brothers and sisters, that there are still many significant issues facing our nation. There are other forms of involuntary servitude, including human trafficking. There are significant issues facing immigrants, the pollution of our environment. And in fact, there are other groups which have been marginalized and not fully included in our church even today. The list could go on and on. What I take from the example of Bishop Holly is that each one of us who have been baptized into the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ are called upon to find one issue that we are passionately committed to to help bring about the kingdom of God here on earth and then to go forth in his example to work to make our church and our world the place that God truly envisions it to be. These things we pray in God's name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.